This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're shaving our eyebrows, killing our best friends, seeing ghosts and witches as we watch Spine 190 in the Criterion Collection, Akira Kurosawa's Throne of Blood from 1957. But first, RJ, it's yes. uh, you have this weird feeling that we've we've done this before. Uh, I mean, we've done it a hundred, like almost two hundred times before. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it feels. Or are you re- are you referring to the fact that uh, we've we just recorded over an hour worth of podcast? Yes, and uh, and it didn't record. It did not save. So yeah. Um, Big mm. Bagul, he he. We yes. thought we had escaped his grasp as uh for the last hour and a bit. You know, Skype's been behaving unlike last week, mm-hmm. which was uh, yes. You know, we were joined by our special guest Silence last week, as a yep. listener mm-hmm. of the show Lawrence pointed out, and I'm sure everyone was aware there was technical issues. But uh, here we are. We were doing pretty good, but then my computer decided to have an aneurysm, and uh, yep. just just completely stop working and uh after a hard reboot and my prayers uh which went Mm -hmm. unanswered to to bagul um that entire audio file of us talking through all of your emails just went into the ether so we actually did a pretty dedicated email bag dive uh we we spent an hour and 15 minutes just answering Uh, emails 50 a good 50 minutes we spent an hour and 15 minutes answering emails i had Many off-the-cuff, spontaneous jokes. Uh, I was talking about how you may have not have noticed our audio problems last week as we are hardcore professionals uh, and we take our job very seriously and we're, fl- we're you know, we're adaptable. Uh, and now you're going to see that even more uh, as long as this one records. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we, we believed it was... We were... We believed it was Bagul, uh, but Bagul might not be living in Skype. It might be living in Jarrett's computer. Yes. So... Um, Maybe Jarrett's going to have to go to his office and record these episodes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, uh, I'm sorry if uh, when we answer all the emails, <laughs> if it seems a little rushed, uh, we did take a lot of time. There was a lot of, I mean, we Some good recorded riffing, a, you know, good riffing. I, ra- I rated every fast food burger in <sighs> our in our town uh, by just by like what I wanted them to. We were answering Frank's emails about fast food burgers and I I ranked them all. I was talking about, you know, Rob Eagle, Oliver Granger, their terrific work. I was talking about uh, our friends that show Justin Peterson. I answered his Twitter quote thing. Uh, You know, some of these things might get lost now because uh, not that we don't love you guys, but frankly, we might not have enough time tonight. Let's see what we can do here. Yes, let's try (laughs) Arjun, we got emails. Yes. First up, Aaron Lang. Oh yeah, uh, is this uh, yeah Aaron with an E, Aaron with an I, or uh, A? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Double Keep A, going. baby. Get ready for a rant. While oh, never baby. really a fan of the music of Daniel Johnston, I could always appreciate the man and his work. So upon the sad news of his death, I decided to see if the documentary about him, The Devil and Daniel Johnston, was up on any streaming sites. It was. My wife had never seen the movie, and it had been years since my last viewing. It's a beautiful film, rich with feeling. 
Daniel's story is as tragic as it is inspiring. As the movie draws to a close, you feel like you have been on a journey and learned as much about yourself as the subject. The movie comes to a thoughtful ending, and BAM! Credit slams shut and Monsters, Inc. starts playing. I understand that the average person doesn't give a fuck about credits. They don't care about the people who worked on the movie. They don't care about the music choice or the font choice that is part of a tome. They don't care if the movie fades to credits or is a Kubrick hard cut, but I do, and I'm sure you do too. Mm -hmm. If I like a movie and I will sit through the credits, I may or may not read parts of them, but generally I find that time to be suitable for a moment of contemplation and reflection. But no, those days are over if you are streaming movies and fuck you. Here's a commercial or the next slotted content. Christ, mm. there should be at least a 30-second rule or something. Just let the credits play for 30 seconds before pulling the rug out. Maybe this gross practice could be put into an end if the union stood up to it. But uh, short of that, I don't see it happening. Blech. Mm. Anyways, all your talk of the new cruising release to, uh, is making me wish I had a Blu-ray player so I could watch the damn thing. I did, mm -hmm. however, get the outrageous new 3LP deluxe soundtrack for the film, which is as, as incredible as it is unnecessary. Best, mm. Aaron Lang. Hey, Jared, I know that your uh, life partner is a big fan of those vinyls. Are you and her going to get those things? <laughs> uh, maybe, RJ. I had not heard about this at all. And I should go take a look of it, you know, at some Terrific. point. And uh, see if I should get that. Terrific. Uh, and yeah, get 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 yourself a Blu-ray player. It's uh, it's great. Ha ha ha. Yes. <laughs> awesome quibble, Jared. Yes, you should get yourself a Blu-ray player. My, my partner, RJ bought. Ha 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 ha. Funny, witty remark. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, yes, this 30-second rule thing, this uh, this bullshit of hard stops. I, uh, this email inspired me to watch The Devil and Daniel Johnson this week, which I'll hopefully get to when we talk about what we've been creeping on this week. Um, I did not get to experience the hard stop because I actually have this on DVD. But yes, mm -hmm. I know what he's talking about. It sucks. Uh, and Netflix is a real bad perpetrator of this because they even, like when you're on the menus, trying to select a movie that you might think about watching, these automatic trailers pop up or previews. They're obnoxious and loud. They're horrendous. And uh, yeah. The trader trailers suck. What I find even even worse is uh, t sometimes to stop that automated trailer, you click on the show just to get it to stop if you want to read more on the description. And then the movie itself starts. And that's even more frustrating. Yeah. Yes, these things are bad. Streaming is bad. Maybe we should reset. Start everything over. Not streaming. Humanity. RJ said that a few times yes. in, that, in that lost great hour of audio. Oh, baby. But hey, look at how good I'm bringing it all back, Jared. Look how, look how fast our cadence is. When people listen oh, to us at one and a half speed, we'll be talking so fast. Ooh, it's going to be like Gilmore Girls level uh, audio. I don't know. This didn't get brought up before, but uh, apparently one page of dialogue usually takes a minute on screen. Gilmore Girls average 25 seconds for one page of dialogue. Wild. That's how fast they talk. Wow. We're living it. Huge. Next up, Colin Richards. First, First time, time, long, long time. time. Mm -hmm. Drunk Tashira Mifune is the best, is the title of his email. Hey, guys. Yes. Just wanted to check back in and update you on my status creeping through the episodes. Last time I emailed in uh, July, was I was all the way back on episode 65, but through hard work and sheer boredom, I am all the mm -hmm. way up to 130. And yes, I listened to all the ghoul schools along the way. He's the only one. Admirable. I thought this would be a good time to email in since Throne of Blood has been my most anticipated episode. It's definitely mm -hmm. my favorite Kurosawa movie, and I'm anxious to hear your thoughts. Just one question for you guys today. If you had to pick one Japanese director in the collection as your favorite, who would it be? I think RJ might be biased towards Ozu with all the farts and dumps and good morning, but maybe he will surprise mm -hmm. me. Keep on creeping. 
I am going to surprise you, Colin Richards, first time, long time, as I've only seen one Ozu movie. I've seen other Kurosawa movies, so I'm going to pick him, even though Redbeard isn't that good, and even though there are other Kurosawa movies that are also not that good. Hidden Fortress. Hey, guess who has a horrible fan base? Hidden Fortress. Guess who just had to mute the comments on the Hidden Fortress YouTube page because they have the worst fans of all time? This guy. Mm-hmm. Because, oh. That guy did. Oh. Apparently, friend of the show, Ryan Nagel, was standing up for us on uh, that comments thing. But, uh, yeah, we had to disable that because those people are horrible. Uh, one person said that uh, it was the it's not the Star Wars martial arts. It's the concept of a story being told by the sidekicks, which I think is horseshit. That's a literary device that's been used for many, many years. Neither of those movies did that for the first time. Fuck you all. Hidden <laughs> Fortress. <laughs> And my Japanese right, pick, Ozu. <laughs> yes. Because I've seen terrific. more than one Ozu. And uh, I don't know. Yes, there's, there, there's some other good uh, Japanese men uh, in that director seat in the Criterion, but we'll get there one day. Um, but the, I think Ozu. Uh, Takeshi Mike. Takeshi Mike? Yeah, he's not in yeah. there, RJ. He's not yet. They haven't put uh, your movie Ishii in. Oh, well, maybe eventually. Yeah. Hey, next yeah. up, yes. Jackson. Oh, there he is. Email titled, The Creeps Rat-a-tat-tat into the Podcast Hall of Fame. There are Jay Chuckles. We're going to with this one. Hello, Creeps. Another stellar episode, but that goes without saying now for this worldwide Mm -hmm. global Mm -hmm. phenom. It was Mm -hmm. really disappointing to hear that your Infinite Jest podcast will never see the light of day as it sounds like you guys really like the book. Regarding mm-hmm. Justin Peterson's last question, I believe that I am the ultimate authority as I'm always having 17-year-old guys over. So the perfect double feature would be the Big Lebowski and the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Uh, mm-hmm. After a week of contemplation, I would throw maybe the thing in there. But... Yes, and I said something really funny. For RJ, since he loves yeah. Rambo First Blood, I would highly recommend the film Flooding with Love for the Kid, a one-man adaptation of the book with a budget of $96. The trailer will definitely sell you, and I can't see you not enjoying it. Regarding last week's recommendation of the certified Jared Pick Chicken Hawk, I decided to check it out, and it made me wonder, what are some documentaries about controversial topics that might be hard to watch do you find exceptional? Keep up the excellent work on the only podcast as we wait for the eventual film adaptation of Alan Moore's Lost Girdles. Axiom Jackson Maximus. P.S. I was with you last week regarding Monsieur Hello, RJ, but was heartbroken when you didn't recognize uh, Italian sweetheart Kabiria. That movie's lame, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. And that is why I didn't remember that lady or even see it. Uh, I didn't even see the text, so that's probably why I didn't see it. But you know what? I like that Jackson is uh, embracing his Actium Jackson Maximus uh, moniker. And, uh, you know, I think we did one thing right in this world. Damn right. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to check that movie out. It's already added to the watch list. I talked about it earlier and uh, <laughs> you'll hear about it another day. Oh, Jesus. Uh, as far as controversial documentary, I, I mentioned earlier uh, yes. a certain kind of death documentary about mm-hmm. what happens to the dead bodies of the unclaimed or John Doe's. Sure. It's real grim stuff. Uh, I haven't watched it for a long time. Maybe it doesn't hold up well, but. I think it's just on YouTube too. So watch that. And mm-hmm. uh, there's The Bridge, which I've seen some people have really strong negative reactions to. Um, it is about the Golden Gate Bridge and the high number of suicides that happen there because it is tall and you can jump off of it or used to be able to. Now they've got tons of 
nets and whatnot surrounding it because of this mm-hmm. epidemic of people jumping. The documentary, uh, I think the documentarian, he had rented an apartment. He lived some distance away from it, but he had a clear shot of it. And he had the camera just set up in the apartment filming the bridge. And there was footage of people walking across. And then they'd just pace back and forth. And some of them would jump. Some people mm-hmm. found it real ghoulish. And uh, yes. this reminds me as a second reminder to look up. Someone made a list of ghoulish documentaries that I should pass all up there. Maybe I'll post it on that Facebook page. Who knows? I think, I think the grisliest is a story of horror, the Jared Duncan story. <laughs> and re-recording. And re-recording and re-recording and re-recording. I was going to make a joke about people maybe doing podcasts, but then I felt that would maybe be insensitive. Next up. Yes. Rob Eagle. Rob Eagle, the long gestating Enigmatic Rob Eagle. Hi, guys. Greetings yes. from the UK. My ears pricked up during last week's episode at the mention of designing a poster for the creeps. I enjoy playing with Photoshop and making stuff like birthday cards to entertain people. Pals. Mm-hmm. I've posted a couple Ooh. things on the Creeps Facebook page in the past months. Also, some cartoons that I did not make myself but snagged from the internet. Imagine mm-hmm. my surprise to hear my name mentioned in said episode and my amusement at being described as enigmatic. Of course, RJ was just riffing, and there's no competition to design a Creeps poster. Nevertheless, mm-hmm. I like a challenge, so I got out my crayons. I hope you find my effort amusing. Uh,. As I mentioned before, I thought both <laughs> gentlemen did a Oliver, very Oliver Granger. Uh, yes, Oliver Granger and uh, Rob Eagle are both fine young men. Uh, I thought there was terrific attention to detail in both of their posters. Mm-hmm. Uh, primarily, let's start with Oliver. I I really liked his No Girls Allowed. Uh, I also thought the attention to detail in the Skype issues, which again uh and his uh fake spine number if you didn't uh, check that out i would suggest you zoom in on that mm-hmm. um and then uh for friend of the show rob eagle uh i really appreciate the celebrity endorsements i believe that is what they really did say in real life uh and i think he went the extra mile and uh put a local landmark of uh creepsville in his poster so mm-hmm. he did a uh, terrific job both of these guys, very good. And uh, you know what? Maybe I'm not just riffing. Send uh, your entries into Jarrett uh, underscore sexy boy underscore Duncan at gmail.com. And uh, he will uh, sort you out for uh, 30 seconds uh, unedited airtime when we pick a winner. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. What do you have to say, Jarrett? Uh, I, I think I laughed the most at Rob's uh, poster yep. because of those quotes. Those quotes. Those quotes were uh, in 100% legitimate, I believe. Yeah, very, um, very good. Very and, good stuff. Bo- and, both fine yes. young men. Yes. And he also posted uh, on the Facebook page a poster for a Joan Crawford movie, uh, Autumn mm-hmm. Leaves. And he has a bit of a description here, but we'll we'll just jump ahead to Justin Peterson because we're recording. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Hey, Justin Peterson. Hey, once again, Jared and RJ, what's happening? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on the classic 90s cult comedy Office Space? I always enjoy the movie, but when I started working as a technical writer for an information technology company in a cubicle, my appreciation for this movie dramatically increased. I often hear the movie referenced at work, and occasionally I notice a red stapler on someone's desk. Looking at the movie critically, I think the first hour is amazing, but it kind of fizzles out after that point. Also, are there any Mm -hmm. other films that mean a lot to you in connection to jobs you have worked? 
And see all this gold right here that we had talking about dead end jobs, working at totem, working at grocery stores, lack of responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, people will never know now the secret hiding spots in totem that friend of the show Ryan Nagel showed me when I got that job. It was gold. It was gold, Jarrett. Absolute solid. But now twenty four carat. Uh, 24 karat gold baby but uh email on next week if you want to know more <laughs> go to movie question of the week what is your greatest of all time <laughs> samurai or martial arts movie for samurai movies it does not yes. get better than ran for me on the pure martial arts side i will go with crouching tiger hidden dragon although my original favorite is the very cheesy but underrated side kicks with chuck norris um for samurai movies sort of doom which Frank Solano just watched mm -hmm. this past week. Uh, that would be my samurai pick. Uh, it's a real fun, dark, uh, really well shot movie. And for martial arts movie, mm -hmm. uh, I would throw out Five Element Ninja. That movie is awesome. And then yep. we talked about oh, we Stephen mention... Show. <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, we didn't mention we both really like Office Space. We watch it a lot. Yeah. Diedrich Bader is awesome. Uh, yeah. I don't watch. I haven't watched samurai movies. I have no opinion. But uh, best martial arts movie, Kung Fu Hustle. Terrific. Just terrific. Right, Jarrett? Absolutely. And yes, Office Space, uh, Mike Judge, he, he has my heart. So There you go. Outstanding. <laughs> Finally. I can easily say that discovering Letterbox has been a life changer for me based on how much time I spend on there discovering, logging, and writing about movies. How did you discover Letterbox, and how has your usage on the site evolved? Were you on any other movie rating sites before joining our little social media movie cult? Um, I found out about it via The Dissolve, which came out out of the AV Club. I was seeing like guys like Noel Murray, Scott Tobias, using it all of a sudden. And I'm like, what's all this about? And then about a year or so later, I think someone shared a list from Letterboxd that had like all the movie posters. And I was like, this is fantastic. And I realized, Hey, I've got all these pages from word documents of movies. I've been logging for the last few years. I can post mm -hmm. all that for all the people to see it. But I didn't really ever share my reviews because they were not meant for wide <gasps> consumption. Oh dear. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd say I'm using Letterboxd less now than I used to, but I still probably check it maybe every couple hours, something like that. When I'm mm -hmm. at work, sometimes more than that. But yeah, letterboxed. I used to check it out a lot, uh, but I only really check it out once or twice a day now, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, I heard of it from you. See, the, I believe. The, I, yeah, I asked you if you had been on Letterboxd. There was more to that story. And then but you, uh, yeah, you asked me if there was Letterboxd, and I made up a lie and said I knew about it, and then I made one, I think. Uh, but then I used it more for uh, the Creeptoberin to keep track. So uh, mm. that was what really... Uh, push things with yeah. uh, those creeptober watches so, so you could send your request list to me that's true actually yeah for i sent you my request and then you sent me a list back of movies that i should watch instead yep i believe is how it happened <laughs> sounds about right so, see this is where the yep. problem starts here is justin concluded his email thanks for the time creeps and have a great show and then it all it all went horribly wrong <laughs> Hey, we gave him a lot of time before. We gave all the emails a lot of time we before. We did. Uh, and it's, we did. And I again, we apologize. But uh, right now, we're a little unsure if, if, if this will even save. So we're... Uh, I think... We're, well, every, well, my computer seems to be running better. So uh, that's a that's a bonus. For now. For now. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just do the preamble speed run. And then, uh, you know, we'll try to give uh, Hidden Fortress 2 uh, its proper due. This might be the short, <laughs> very short episode. <laughs> It, it's possible. I mean, I don't mean to rush through, Jarrett, but, uh, you know, 
things are a little iffy right now. Finally, Frank Solano. Quit my job, an illegally imported film salesman, and The Sopranos, intentionality spelled that way, uh, to sound more Italian. Hey, creeps. So this month, I'm celebrating a year anniversary of finding the one and only greatest global phenom ever recorded and released for public consumption. Mm -hmm. To commemorate this event, I've decided to quit my job. No, really. Well, okay, in part. Actually, with my plans to move to Costa Rica, I'd always planned to work two full years at the University of Georgia to save up. I've accomplished the budget I was saving for and actually passed my two-year mark in July, so I'm actually a little bit behind schedule. It just so happens that the anniversary lined up. Anyways, with my moving soon, I've officially stopped buying DVDs and Blu-rays. It's kind of sad, but I fear I might not get past airport security with a suspiciously large quantity of American distributed films. They might think I'm starting an illegal imported movie sales business, so therefore I've had to stop in my tracks. Mm-hmm. I've also almost entirely finished my watch list and plan on watching the last two films before leaving. One of those is Eternity in a Day, a Greek film, and the other is the highly sought-after Miracle Film Capes, directed by our very own host, J.F. Duncan. I have to watch it before I leave. Well, I don't know what True. you're going to do, Frank. And, well, since I've been cutting down my film watching, I've stuck to watching the films I own in TV shows. Recently, I finished watching a British detective drama miniseries, Luther, with actor Idris Elba. Quite a show. That one in British accent. I recommend it if you guys ever get around to it. I've also started watching The mm-hmm. Sopranos, thanks to the recommendation Gabagool. of some special fellas in Canada. I've just finished season mm-hmm. one. Only six more seasons to go. Finally, my question. Have you ever eaten so much McDonald's that your tongue is more self-damaged by the quantity of burgers than by a, I don't know, a stay-long swim in the sea? I try to drink water and still taste salt. I ate some cheesecake and still tasted salt. I don't know if it's curable, but I regret McDonald's now. Anyways, thanks again, creeps. Until next week. Um, so earlier I had a very, we, we had a a 20 minute discussion about fast food. It, it, it seemed like, um, and, uh, my biggest takeaway is no, I have never eaten too, uh, so much McDonald's I've ruined myself, but I've eaten so much McDonald's I've ruined myself in other ways. Uh, and the main takeaway is that Jared and I both agree that Burger King is the, the pinnacle and, uh, and W is anti-vax. So, uh, these are the decisions that were made, uh, entirely universal by both creep uh, hosts and uh, I mean it, the conversation is lost so there's no disputing it right Jarrett? Well there was some discussion about uh, I like I don't really eat McDonald's that often I like their mm-hmm. salty fries it tastes real good with that mm-hmm. uh, sugary ketchup but uh, yeah their burgers are crap <laughs> like they're I just wow thinking, thinking about it right now just biting into a McDonald's hamburger it's just like it's really unappealing um, mm-hmm. and then I, was, I think I posited to you of the, the big five fast food chain, which has the best mm-hmm. burger, Wendy's and W Baconator. Yeah. Uh, Dairy Queen, McDonald's, <laughs> Burger King. That, that was your big five. And you went Baconator number one without question. Mm-hmm. Without question. Yeah. I think the Baconator isn't the best of the burgers of those places. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would then put in, uh, the Dairy Queen, uh, Dairy Queen double stack. Dairy Queen has terrific burgers. Then I would say the Burger King stacker. And then I would say, uh, you know what? I'm going to say McDoubles. Uh, McDoubles are great. Uh, and then, uh, last is the teen burger. I like the teen burger, but I think NW is anti-vax. So, uh, there's an issue there for me, uh, a political, uh, more personal 
grudge against A&W for me. So that was my rating. And we mentioned if people want me to rate other fast food facets, you know, fries, sides, uh, anything like that, email in, let me know. I'll rate it for you. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you the, the the definitive only global opinion on any of these fast food Correct. choices. That's, what, that's part of the creeps experience. Uh, yeah, that, this is what people want. Jared. Uh-huh. Absolutely. We I mean, there's like a whole litany of options. There's wraps. There's mm-hmm. who has the best shredded beef? Nuggets. That's a big one, Jared. N- nugs, yeah. Nuggets, poutines, uh I mean fries. The the options are endless. Yeah. And yeah. this is when our computers crashed. At least mine did. Yes. And uh Jared's and, and, and now we're in new new material. <laughs> <laughs> join join the Patreon goal to get Jarrett a new computer. Hey, yeah. get me a new computer while we're at it, and then yep. we will maybe not have any issues ever again. Yep, yep. New, set, new setup, everything would be mm-hmm. just great. Terrific. Hey, RJ. Yes. What you been creeping on this week? I watched the Gilmore Girls movie, oh. but you don't want to know about that. All I'll say is it's a pretty good show, and I think it is one of the most Criterion-referenced TV shows I've ever seen. There are so many Criterion movies on there, Jarrett, that I think Criterion fans would would really get a, a kick out of it. Plus, they have a style. It's a lot like uh, those uh, screwball, not screwball comedies, but like, you know, um, your My Man Godfrey type things. Those things that you like quite a bit. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that stuff. Those in there. grandpa so you, things. You would like it. Crap of things. Good stuff. Uh, there was a Friday the 13th. Do you want me to talk about that right now, or do you want me to tell you about Peanut Butter Falcon? Um, I don't know. What do I want you to Let tell me tell me you about, about the Peanut Butter tell... Falcon, Jared. Yeah, tell me about that. So I went, uh, Andy had an Andy. Get her together. Get her together. Uh, and I'm happy to report, hey, Jared, Peanut Butter Falcon is a really good movie. It's pretty good. It's good. I think you would actually like this quite a bit. Hey, Jarrett, are you a fan of uh, down-on-their-luck hobos stealing crabs? Of wrestling? Are you a fan of Down Syndrome? So do I have a movie for you? Uh, This takes place uh, uh, just north of Justin Peterson uh, in North Carolina. He's South South Carolina, Carolina, right? Yeah, so th- this takes place in North Carolina. You have Shia LaBeouf. He's a down-on-his-luck uh, crab fisherman. And, uh, you know, he's just not doing good. He's having some hard time. He's uh, getting through some uh, family trauma. Uh, and he's kind of just down on his luck, Jared. He doesn't know what to do. Alternatively, and on the other side of town, we have this terrific actor, actor named Zach uh, Gottsagan. He is a uh, individual with Down syndrome, uh, and he is the lead role in this. He is a ward of the state, and he gets placed in a retirement home with Bruce Dern. Uh, but he doesn't want to be there because he's like, I-. so he, uh, Isla Buff cross paths together. Mm-hmm. They love together. And, you know, uh, the adventure was really finding each other, and the treasure was friendship. Wow. Uh, I'm making that sound a little corny, but it actually is. It's like it's just a very wholesome kind of feel good movie. But it actually has like a few things in there that I wasn't really expecting. I was like, oh, I was like, where did that come from? <laughs> uh, all the, like Shia LaBeouf and uh, the other guy, Zach, they're they're very good together. They have a really good chemistry. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's actually really good, man. I, I think you would like it. There's a lot of wrestling. There are cameos from actual professional wrestlers. Ooh. Do you know Mankind Dude Love Cactus Jack Mick Foley? No, that's all the same person. <laughs> oh, well, uh, there is a, a cameo from Mr. Mick Foley. And then a plain professional heel, uh, a man who beats up another man with Down syndrome is fallen idol Jake the Snake Roberts. That's right. He's making a comeback, baby, and he's playing a heel. Wow, he's he's really old. He is super old. Uh, so eventually what happens is they do make it to the uh, wrestling camp. And uh, it's not really, it doesn't really exist anymore. But uh, Saltwater Redneck is like, you know what? We got this backyard wrestling. Why don't you come in and uh, give it a shot? So he goes up against Jake the Snake. And uh, Jake the Snake's a real piece of shit. Uh, and they, they actually fight each other. And uh, there is a moment uh, that happens like at the end of their fight that uh, I think Andrew and I both were just... I, I was amazed by it. I was jaw dropped. I was like, this is pretty terrific. This is a good, <laughs> good cinematic achievement right here. Um, but I actually, I I thought this movie was really good. I liked it a lot. Um, what I didn't like was uh, some of the theater antics that we were up to, up to, Jared. It's unavoidable, even in movies like this. So we went to a four o'clock matinee on a Saturday mm-hmm. at the second run theater. It was about half full. It was Whoa. pretty full, actually. Huh. Yeah. So we weren't expecting that at all. Uh, so we went in there and immediately were like, Ugh. so we found a good place to sit. We were kind of in the center, a little to the right, and we were right on the edge. 20 minutes into the movie, an entire family came and, and sat right past us in the row. So they came, six family members, mom, dad, uh, four like teenage girls. They came 20 minutes late. They... There was a row in front of us that was an empty. That was empty. There was a row behind us that was empty. They chose our row and mm-hmm. made us move to get in. And we, I was just like, "You fucking people!" It's like you couldn't have sat in front of us. Like, what are you doing? And then they constantly getting popcorn over and over again and getting refills. And I was like, "These this piece of shit family." It's like you you couldn't have just sat in front of us and you wouldn't have had to have de- dealt with this. I don't get it. I really don't get a chair. And then there was people behind us. It was like two grandparents with a kid. Uh, like I'm, I'm guessing their grandkid because he was like 10 years old. They came in 35 minutes late to the movie. And then they sat beside us. And like it was the kind of thing where it's like when when the guy sits down, he grabs the seat in front oh. and like to like lean down oh. to ease himself. So they're just pulling our seats down. And oh. <laughs> I, like that was fine. Like that didn't whatever but i was just like what are you guys doing that you're coming to a movie like almost 40 minutes in? It, it was almost halfway through so i was like what are you doing what are you doing Jared? you know what the heck what the heck peanut butter falcon good show i think you would like it even even my crusty old heart huh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. pretty good you might not like really like it but i bet you'd be like yeah it's all right well rj yes it was friday the 13th this week Tell me about it. And uh, you know what we do on Friday the 13th? Yes, sir. We watch Friday the 13th movies. You're damn right. We were uh, we were on par, actually. Hey? Yeah. Right well, at the, well, clo- close to the same point. Well, now I've, I'm ahead of you, like always. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, uh, I mentioned we, but before. But we both watched Jason Goes yes. to Hell. Yes, we did. I mentioned before I did want to uh, – I, I tried to watch more, but I, uh, I had to – go attend a, a public event and uh, I was breaking up fights. So I, I could only squeeze in one of these bad boys. Right. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. What's so up J- with you? Jason goes to hell. Um, yes, does. I had not seen this movie probably since my original run through of the movies in 1997. Yeah. And uh, I didn't really remember too much of this other than vague moments of like yeah there's like a a worm like a jason mm-hmm. worm that possesses people and mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure there's like a black guy but i don't remember i don't know what he oh, does there's a black guy in this movie and i'm like oh I don't, my he, God. He, he does something in it and I, I can't remember what and then it's mm-hmm. like watching it now i'm like oh there's two black guys in this movie <laughs> two what two black guys oh my god i know it's wild wow stuff, wild stuff so wow. i i just didn't have had no recollection whatsoever watching this and I'm watching it. I'm like, yeah, it's vaguely familiar. Oh yeah. The other thing I also remember is that, oh yeah, Jason's killed in the first five minutes. Uh, yes, he is and, in a pretty, like a pretty crazy introduction, like the audacity of these guys where it's like, you know what? We're going to open this thing. Everyone knows Jason is here and we're going to have a tactical operation designed specifically to lure him out and then just to riddle him with bullets and explosives Blow him up and then they basically dust their hands they're like we we did it boys we sure did it yeah uh i i, I was actually pretty taken aback by the the intro to this i was like whoa wow they, they did it they killed jason they finally they, did they it. sent him to hell Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so uh, that's where the movie picks up. Yeah, we have this like broad who's like having showers and what? Oh no, I'm an innocent camper. Oh no, Jason's come to kill me. And she runs through the woods, but she's a she's a trap. She lures him right mm-hmm. to the area where there's like a some sort of like military operation that just like blows him to smithereens. Sure do. And, and then they take his remains for an autopsy. Uh, where we meet our coroner friend who's making jokes about how he's deader than shit. (laughs) (laughs) But then he winds up with like a Cronenberg shivers hell worm going down his Mm -hmm. mouth into his throat. And uh, And then what happens? And then he is now possessed by Jason and starts killing dudes. That's such an interesting thing that's never come up before. So, yeah, that's now a thing where uh, yep, Jason sure, can whatever. jump host to host as yeah, he tries whatever. to, as as the as Creighton Duke, our bounty mm-hmm. hunter, informs us. This is like, he figured this all out long ago. This this guy who just shows up, he magically knows things. And uh, he does talk shows and he has his, like, documentary crews that follow him around as he catches people. And they're like, who are you going to catch next? I'm going to catch Jason Voorhees. He's not really dead. <laughs> I'm the only one who know how to kill him. Yeah, so now, so we have Creighton Duke, who sure. is just fucking, this, okay, this movie A real sucks. character. This character. movie sucks. Like, yes, it does. Let's just throw this out there. This movie's horrible. Um, yep. Yep. Whether or not it's worse than Jason X, that's up for debate. Mm, um, well, you'll have to fill me in on that. Yeah, this, this fucking thing. Uh-huh. You, you, do a, you do a Jason movie, and you don't have any Jason in it. It's... Yeah, that that is the uh, the the thing that kills this movie more than anything else. Jason's not in this, and that's a real bummer. Yeah, so you have like this movie's got some of the worst 
casting I think I've seen in a movie yeah, in a long time where there's good. like these people it's not even the actors but they're completely miscast because there's people I'm like genuinely confused at their ages because mm-hmm. there's this woman who's supposed to be the mother to this other woman oh, and, they, and they look the exact same age yeah and then there's this the guy who's like the the daughter's boyfriend allegedly and he's like 30 years old wearing this letterman's jacket like yeah. and, but, but like the whole time yeah. i'm like wait which one's the one he's who's who in the relationship because she's mm-hmm. like the mom who looks the same as the daughter is in a relationship with the sheriff who's like a lloyd bridges mm-hmm. old man like he's old and yeah. this and his wife is like way younger than him like significantly and you're just like this is baffling because yeah. like so i'm confused for the whole like opening of this because they keep talking about characters and you're assuming that you care about this shit and then like w- the one woman's dating a like kind of a knockoff robert stack who does like an america's <laughs> most wanted type of show about yeah about about mysterious things and it's like jason Voorhees. everybody just knows about jason Voorhees, which is mm-hmm. like not necessarily a terrible idea but here Man, it brings it brings nothing. It adds nothing to the movie. Why does it do some weird stuff with it? It's like we got well, how many sets in this movie? We have house. We mm-hmm. have like another like living room, a cafe, and the police station. Yeah, and then like this generic uh, like campground space, which is the Crystal Lake, where we get the mm-hmm. uh, ama- like we get like our hero who's like tempted with some like you know some hanky panky with a uh, this like couple and this girl that are going out to go skinny dipping and he's like mm-hmm. nah i gotta go and uh <laughs> then they go and we get this great sequence uh in a tent where uh this girl and this guy are about to really go to the next level unprotected and, and then no the no way. but wait they pull out a condom and he goes ah uh-huh. oh, i hate those and she's like he he and throws it away and he's like oh and he just plows in and you get some real like it really I, feels it like they, they, they've got the physics nailed down of like insertion like in a way that like i'm not sorry i'm not familiar with insertion in my friday the 13th movies usually it's kind of like oh okay they're just rolling around no this feels like oh man sure she's really getting into position for to take him on and uh yeah Uh and and so you're like what the fuck am i watching and then she's horribly murdered by jason but yeah but it's fake jason it's like just a guy it's It's the coroner with like a giant blade (laughs) Oh, uh, like yeah, yeah this it's, movie's um, nonsense. Yeah, it's problematic. I believe <laughs> you have said before. I, I would not use it in this film, but yeah, uh, I mean, the unprotected sex is not ideal. It's not the right message to send kids. Well, I, I believe it's part of the joke, RJ. It's kind of the see they had unprotected sex and now they're dead. Oh well, I'm I'm on board with that. Okay, don't don't do it. Do the right thing, Jared. Do the right thing. Yeah, there's some. Uh, this movie's got some real garbage. The biggest one, like we said, it's Jason's not in it. And then uh, there's Until two he things. Is. Until he is, but after, not even after really. the after the hellworm crawls up yeah. the vagina of the dead woman, and then magically appears in like full like boiler suit and like mm-hmm. hockey mask, Jason. <laughs> yeah, and it's like. So I don't know. I had a few things with this where it kind of bugged me because I was actually on board with a lot of the ideas it was presenting. Like, I think Jason, go- it could never live up to the title. Jason Goes to Hell is awesome. That sounds yeah. that sounds amazing. Oh, when I was a kid, when this movie came out, what, 94? I was like, fuck, I want to see that movie so bad, but it's going to be too scary. It's, it sounds it's not awesome. at all. Like, it's not even remotely. Yeah. 
and I actually really like like some of the magic stuff. And, uh, and like I said, I think the intro is like ridiculous. And if that was how the movie started and then he went to hell for real, I think this would be a, almost a five star affair. <laughs> but uh, okay. yeah, this this movie's pretty fucking horrendous. It's uh, it's not good, Jared. It's not good. Creighton Duke. Creighton Duke. So yeah, tell me about Jason X because oh. uh, I didn't get there. How's that Cronenberg cameo? Oh, fuck! I see. I thought he was in this movie way more. No, he's like fucking in and out. Oh, is it just like a second? Pretty much. He yeah. he just plays a, a, a you know a greaseball like corporate kind of guy, and then he's just dead. Sad. Well, sad. yeah. No, this movie. It's also uh, bad. It typifies two thousand one shitty sure. horror sci fi filmmaking. It's lots of uh, bad generic casting of like, just like, hey, you're like a attractive woman. You should be in our movie. And they just like, here, dress exactly the way you normally dress. And but you're on a spaceship in the year like 2500. Is that not how it works? It's exa- uh, Nissa does. Sure. Um, yeah, I barely paid attention to this thing. This thing's Good. brutal. Uh, Terrific. It, it probably, mm, no, you know, Jason Goes to Hell, I did watch the whole movie. And was just like, actually, there's a bit where uh, during that uh, that sex scene I described in detail, yes. um, Chanel was like going out for the evening and she was like, is, are they having sex or are they being killed? And I went, well, they're having sex yes. right now, but they're going to be killed shortly. So, yes. Yes. Whereas like, I, I did not have any sort of remarkable thing mm-hmm. like that in Jason X. That movie's just, it looks like shit. The CGI spaceships in this are, hmm. I actually, again, I kind of like the idea of Jason X. It's a, yeah, it's a sure. bummer. It, sure. I mean, Man, there's it, Jason in space? There's, why not? There's nanites that, that heal people up. Yeah, there's there's way too much like bad jokes in this movie. So are you going to watch Freddy vs. Jason next uh, Friday the 13th? Well, the plan is to actually, and then the next Friday the 13th is December. Mm-hmm. And I've got this the, December? Yes. Shit. And I've got some uh, some Nightmare on Elm Street rewatch on my mind. Go through that whole series over the next I mean, few. And then sh- build toward Jason versus Freddy. Freddy versus Jason. And then mm-hmm. watch Friday the 13th remake and Nightmare remake. And then, Pretty ambitious. And then end my life. Yeah, I think you should. You could do it before too if you wanted. No, that would be fine. See, I got something uh, worth doing though right now. I got that whole uh, Nightmare on Elm Street for like twenty bucks on Amazon one time. So uh, you let me know, and then you know, Shutter has the documentaries of both of those. I, I but RJ, I own all those. I own oh. everything you just said. I even those documentaries are pretty wild though. They're like, what are they like? Four hours a piece. Yeah, four I've, hours. I've, each. Watched, I've watched them both. They're good. Shit. You get a real taste for uh, how worthless actors are people can look forward to the nightmare on elm street ghoul school coming uh, this december nope um so <laughs> uh-huh yeah i watched jason x and uh sure. yeah you get you'll get to watch it soon too yeah I guess. next time when you watch jason goes to hell do you, were you watching the unrated version or are you sh- no i don't think so so the, I the, saw the only the big thing in it is there's like a bit where like this one big fat fry cook guy comes yeah. and takes a swing at jason and uh, jason catches his fist and his arm bone just explodes out which is probably yeah. the it's only like a fraction of a second so it's so quick but so it's like mm. hardly worth even recommending for that 
Yeah, no, I uh, like I, I think I did watch it actually, but it, it happened so fast. I was like, oh, maybe I didn't get the version where they actually show the whole thing. No, that's it. But now it sounds like that is what happened. So. Yeah. Yeah. Bummer. And then, and then you get like Jason, you get Freddy's glove pulled down Jason's mask into the dirt. And yeah. Wasn't yeah, that, that that was so cool back when? Because you're like, oh well, man, they're gonna they're gonna fight one day, and then they did. <laughs> Uh, I have some opinions on uh, Freddy versus Jason. I'll let you know when we get there. Okay. Okay. I'll leave you in suspense. Uh, the only other thing I really watched this week, uh, genuinely, uh, is the Devil and Daniel Johnston, which uh, the Devil and Daniel Webster. Uh, not to be confused with that future Criterion creep. Yeah. Uh, favorite film of uh, Christopher Nolan. Not number one favorite, but a it, top ten. It's in his mix. It's in his mix. It's his wheelhouse, apparently. <laughs> Uh, so you heard the news last week. It didn't get brought up by me because of Skype ghosts, but Daniel Johnston, the musician of sorts, uh, the outside mm-hmm. musician, he died last week. At the Is that good? 58 or something like that. Oh, probably um, not good then. No, he, so are you familiar at all with Daniel Johnston? Not really. No. So he, like, he is, you would call it an outsider artist. This, in this documentary, okay. I think is a pretty well-made documentary. Um, mm-hmm. It is like, it's almost two hours long, but it like, it fills its time. Cause it's one of those things that works out well, I guess by coincidence where you have a subject who at some point filmed a whole bunch of home videos and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you can use a lot of that footage in your own documentary and it just fills in those gaps uh, really nicely. Cause mm-hmm. uh, so Daniel Johnson, he was a kid growing up. I think his parents were from West Virginia. I think they wound up living somewhere in Texas. I can't, they, they kind of bounced back and forth. Um, and he was just like, I don't know, he's the odd kid out. And mm-hmm. uh, they keep describing it in the documentary as him having manic depression. But that doesn't... Oh, it, it's that's not, weird. It's, but it, like, it's more of a schizophrenia um, than anything else. Okay. So anyway, the, the, his story goes like he was this young kid raised in this like very religious family, but he was like kind of the art kid. Um, mm-hmm. and he was really into comic books, really into <gasps> Casper and Captain America. And he would just draw stuff. Like he just like had a mania about making stuff like drawing, mm-hmm. um, and making music, and he was pretty unchecked, but like there was always something a bit off, but his family not really having the ability to recognize these things kind of just like thought, mm-hmm. oh, he's just being weird. And they just kind of let it go. <laughs> and they're like, you don't have enough Jesus in your life. If you're going you're to wind yeah. up like, there's too much Satan in your life. That sort of stuff. Not like, I don't know. It doesn't come off Tell super me about Satan. Great. I know a lot about that. Well, Satan, you know, what can you say about him? Well, but, he's uh, anyway, up to no good. So the kids growing up, but as kids grow up, you know, people entertain those fits those like oh you draw well, that's nice but then it's sure. like no all he does is draw and wants to draw and doing anything mm-hmm. else is like painful to him he tries to go to school his like he gets numbness in his hands like he's having physical problems doing mm. things that he doesn't want to do and of course people are still not really sure how to deal with this stuff in um, like, you know rural america Sure. And eventually he goes to art school and he's just this like outgoing kind of weird guy that people find very like innocent. And mm-hmm. uh, then he's, he's getting really more into music and he's like, he doesn't even know how to play instruments, but he writes his lyrics the way that he wants them to. Um, and he has like a kind of a charming singing voice, I guess you'd say. Uh, yeah. Probably my favorite track of his is Walking the Cow um, from, okay. his, from his album, uh, Hi, How Are You? 
which mm-hmm. uh, became very famous, I guess, uh, in the early 90s because Kurt Cobain was wearing a shirt with that album cover art for like tons of photo shoots. And so people were like, what's this all about? Which is all covered by the documentary. Uh, this mm-hmm. basically it covers his trajectory of like, you know, running away to join the circus, basically being a carny until one day he gets beat up and kind of left in the town, gets some help. Um, and just starts hanging out in Austin, Texas, and kind of becomes part of the music scene. He's like, while he was like on the road, he was just recording with his mm-hmm. like tape decks and stuff like that, and uh, keyboard, just music, and just making albums uh, that he was making the art for, and just and he would like literally overdub in each individual tape rather than get them mass manufactured. Mm-hmm. And suddenly became kind of this like kind of cult little figure in Austin, Texas. Uh, MTV came down there, did like some stuff on some musicians down there, and he kind of wound up in that. And he just kind of like kept hanging around, hanging around. But while this is happening, his like mental illness is going completely unaddressed. And there's a lot of like people kind of just like, yeah, it's kind of cool. But then you have to spend time with it. And then it's getting worse and worse and more violent and outward and uh, frightening. Mm-hmm. So it, it covers all the, the gamut of that. Uh, and so the documentary, when it got released in 2005, he's still around, but, uh, but he is like medicated to the gills and like kind of a, he doesn't remember anything. Like he doesn't remember his old music. So he's continues to make music. He's kind of this like weird figure that people kind of hang a lot on. Sure. Um, kind of like me. Kind of like you, not mm-hmm. like you. Yeah, but uh, so anyway, yeah, no, like it's a really great documentary. Uh, just because you, you couldn't make it any like I don't know the fact that they made it the way that they did and like they had access to like all these people around it and they were so candid. Daniel Johnson's barely in this thing; like he's there, like in the rooms and stuff like that, and he's around, but like he had no interest in like talking to the filmmakers. Like mm-hmm. he's just in the he's like you know living at home with his like aged parents who are like taking care of him. He's Same. like he's pacing around smoking he's still writing music and uh he's still going on tour like you know he was like touring up until he died going to sweden and doing his songs and stuff like that but i don't know it's uh it's it's kind of a -a one-of-a-kind documentary that i don't know if a lot of people watch anymore it seems like documentaries are always like the one of the victims of uh dropping off people's radars they come Mm -hmm. out but this one like is well above your uh the netflix documentary that you would get now what netflix documentary any netflix documentary okay yeah like the way they would make it now this just feels like it's from a different era it's got some it's packed with uh Mm -hmm. information and it kind of justifies its length i think Mm -hmm. but yeah it was really good it's good Mm -hmm. it was a good rewatch I mean, even though I probably won't watch it, but it sounds cool. Yeah, I mean, it's got the t- touches on these little things of music, and just like I don't know, there is like this element of it where the Daniel Johnson story feels like the exploitation of someone with mental illness, and I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, it's it's hard mm-hmm. to put my finger on because he really wants to be famous too. <laughs> like he he right. was a, he was a part of that, but when he starts going full on like his multiple stints to like mental hospitals and then mm-hmm. you have like record executives coming to sign deals and he's got his one like agent who's been trying to like make this happen all these years and you're just like huh how genuine is this and it's like you, you can't invest yourself this much in anything and not be like a genuine believer in it and this is like i said this is outsider music mm-hmm. uh so it's like your average person would be like what is this shit <laughs> like they would not be into this at all but um 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really, but I, you know, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. I did. Good. Good, Good. for you. RJ, you want to hear about those Criterion December 2019 <laughs> announcements? Fuck, oh, not really. Well, but whatever. We got the story of Temple Drake. Oh, wow. From, uh, directed by Stephen Roberts from oh, 1933. This is a oh, one of those. Uh, finally. This, this is one of my pre-code types of movies. It's and, uh, Great. What I'm super stoked about is it's using the original cover artwork from the poster, which is a lot better than something new-y. Uh, we got oh, Kelly Reichart, who's been brought up in the past when we've been raked over the coals for not talking about female directors enough. She's got a movie coming out called Old Joy, coming out on that Criterion. Oh, wow. It's finally. Until the End of the World, that Vim Vendors movie that a lot of people seem to not even know existed. But people are super stoked because this version, RJ, that one day oh. we'll be watching is like 285 minutes long. Oh, what? No, <laughs> come on. Shit, or some, something ridiculous. That's not true, is it? Yes, it is. And finally, Dang. from our good friend, Ronald Neem, Tunes of Glory, starring Alec Guinness. Remember Ronald Neem and Alec Guinness? Remember what yes. they did before? Yes, I'm quite aware. And uh, frankly, I don't want to watch it. Well, you said you had a choice. I am my own person. I can do whatever I feel like. That's I, I accept that. Sure, sure. Yeah. Any other news for you? Nah. All right. After the break, uh, we're going to get riddled with arrows. Start. They said it. 
報が起こる豪華巨変雲の巣城囲まれ猛州の霧渦を巻く城雲の巣城権力の座その権力の座を争う者そしてそれを血であがなった者の末路は血を洗う戦国絵巻そしてまたここに権力に疲れ血に狂う女殿の行く道はただ二つじっとこのまま大殿に切られるのを待つ殿を殺して雲の巣城の主になるか主君を殺し腹心を殺し友を殺し修羅猛州の果てに狂い死にした雲の巣城主鷲津武時の怪奇な一生And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. And tonight we're talking about Throne of Blood from 1957, directed by Akira Kurosawa. Oh, uh-huh. The tagline, RJ, for this film. Sure. From the creator of Rashomon and Akiru. Oh, not Seven Samurai? That's, that's what they... Uh, Has that not happened yet? Or I guess not. I guess real not. real or did they just not realize it hasn't that? Come, it hasn't come out yet. Oh, okay. So the synopsis from a letterboxed. Mm-hmm. Returning to their lord's castle, samurai warriors Wasizu and Miki are waylaid by a spirit who predicts their futures. When the first part of the spirit's prophecy comes true, 
Wasizu scheming Wasizu's scheming wife Asai Asaji presses him to speed up the rest of the spirit's prophecy by murdering his lord and usurping his place. Director Akira Kurosawa's resetting of William Shakespeare's Macbeth in feudal Japan is one of his most acclaimed films. So, hey, hey, folks, I'm just going to say that I'm going to re-anglicize the names of these characters as, you know, Macbeth and Banquo and Lady Macbeth. So I'm not having to say Uh, Wasizu and Miki. It sounds like appropriation, Jared. I don't know if I'm on board with that. Well, I'm re-appropriating, so... Yes. Um, is that worse or is that better? <laughs> it's taking it back. Oh wow. Okay, <laughs> I, I'd like to distance myself from the opinions of Jared Duncan, and uh, you know, this is a character I play for a podcast. So there you go. That's out there now, and uh, continue on with whatever right. you were about to do. All right. So I've only seen this movie once before. I think it was probably 2002. Watched it with a Patreon of the show, Lawrence. Uh, our friend Ab, who had actually, Whoa. who had, we watched his DVD of it. Is that a Patreon goal to watch a movie with you? Ooh, no, I don't, it should be. No, no one wants that. Why not? And you know what, RJ? Mm-hmm. Uh, I hadn't seen this movie right in 2002 when I watched this. I thought it was awesome. Uh, cool. Part of that reason was because I love Macbeth. I like. It, yeah, you've mentioned before. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure. Why probably, is that? Well, we'll get there. Uh, I'm pretty okay. sure, yeah, back when we did those uh, Larry Oliver uh, Shakespeare movies. Sure. I probably mm-hmm. brought up that uh, Macbeth is my favorite of the batch. And mm-hmm. how I think going into these movies, being familiar with the source material, particularly mm-hmm. Shakespearean stuff, uh, sure. it's probably good to have like at least read the play or and know it when you're watching the movies. Cause then it's I've like, never oh, read it. Okay, so I'll be curious what you think about this movie when we get there. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, like I, I was always going to have a uh, an open heart to this this Macbeth mm-hmm. business. So yeah, at the time though, when I watched this, this would have been my introduction to weird Japanese ladies without eyebrows and blackened teeth. Um, that was a thing sure. that I was like, "What's up with that?" I, there's I, not I, really, I, there's I, no real story. It's just, no, it's just that it's, it's what it is. And you're like, just there. Then you find out later in life, you're like, oh, it's like this like eggplant blackening thing that like apparently was really sexy. Uh, in a, what do you mean was? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to like judge you yeah. or anything. Don't, uh, don't step on any toes here, Jerry. You don't know what the people's preferences are. <laughs> do you like your mouth to look like just a gaping black hole? <laughs> Well, Jared, I mean, do, do I don't know I if have you know this, but you. we, I mean, attraction is relative. Mm, and if you're true. not, if you, if you, if you find anything unattractive, you're on the wrong side of history, friend. Hmm. You know what I find unattractive? What's that? I, I just want to say that I think the DVD cover for this is not so great. Let me, uh, is that different from the letterbox cover? It's the same image that kind of like, kind of. Oh, the red and white. With the kind of, not animated drawing, but like very, like not even kind it's of. like geometric. Stylized. Yeah. I don't like that image very much. And it's been the one for a long, long time. And, sure. but when you actually look it up too, there isn't really an iconic, uh, throne of blood poster, even like the Japanese one. It's very, uh, Japanese of its era, mm-hmm. like super busy, like. Lots of, lots of graphics. It's not like mm-hmm. super appealing either, but yeah, I've never, this one's uh I don't know. I didn't, I probably was fine with it at one point, but looking at it now, it seems very dated. 
it feels like somebody like trying out different stuff in their uh, in their photoshops in their garage yeah you know what i think would be a cooler cover is uh the old uh witch doctor when when they're just standing in like with all those skulls that'd be a cool cover for this thing pretty cool pretty cool dude or maybe just like i mean if a title like that it feels like it's like a metal album uh throne of blood yeah hell yeah baby that's like a slayer song throne of blood throne of blood something like that wow what was that again so or how about the uh japanese title spiderweb castle that's pretty cool those are both very very cool titles why did they change it I mean, maybe Throne of Blood sounds a little bit more elegant. Spiderweb Forest is like... Uh, Spiderweb Castle? That sounds yeah, wicked. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I know, but it it kind of feels like... A, it sounds like a different type of movie. Meh. Yeah. Change it back, you cowards. So anyway... Yeah, sure. Macbeth. Yes, my, what about my, Macbeth? My, 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 I think it's my favorite Shakespeare story. Um, Controversial. Contra- I don't think it's that. I think a lot of people... Even like if there's people who don't like Shakespeare, I think they do like Macbeth. Because it's, it's it's easy to get. Um, maybe what it's about a, Hamlet. It's bit it's a bit more complex, RJ. A little bit. Well, more I mean, Hamlet's got that Lion King connection. It's got that Sons of Anarchy connection. Mm-hmm. What does Macbeth have? Macbeth. This is about fucking violence, what? just revenge, just fucking, and, and uh, just yeah, messed up people. Mm-hmm. Even though it's like actually not even the most violent. It's because uh, all the violence, a lot of most of the violence actually happens off camera. That's true. Hey, I want to change my story. I'm pretty sure I did read Macbeth uh, because thinking back now, Macbeth is part of like English 20 or English 30 like curriculum. So 20. I'm pretty sure that I, uh, I'm pretty sure I got Macbeth in there. Maybe. Or so, an excerpt yeah. at the most. Uh, part of the thing too was uh, reading the play and then also watching, in, in school we watched Roman Polanski's Macbeth, which was mm-hmm. very saucy because it is a Playboy production. Sure. Which, of course, I, my favorite anecdote there is uh, Penthouse was like, well, f- shit, Play, Playboy's doing uh, classy <laughs> literature. Let's do Caligula. <laughs> that was their response. Oh, was Caligula a Penthouse film? Sure was. I don't think I knew that. Yep. Did you talk about that? I hadn't. Well, I haven't had the opportunity yet. But, um, uh, see, it is a Jarrett pick, Caligula. It Absolutely. Oh, Terrific. Yeah, so I, I for whatever reason, I had just never rewatched this. I've had the DVD for a really long time. And, of course, uh, I popped in my DVD and was uh, watching it. And then I went, you know what? I bet you this looks better on the Criterion channel because it's going to be mm-hmm. like at least cl- like 720p. And, yeah, it uh, definitely less compression, a little bit, uh, a little bit more detail. So I watched it that way and it made me very sad looking at my giant wall of DVDs on the wall being like, oh yeah, these are all substandard now. They do Mm -hmm. it a pinch, you know, if I didn't have any access, they'd be fine. But knowing that there's better out there and this is also on Blu-ray, I'm 99% certain. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I probably have to rebuy it because why would I rebuy a movie RJ? Because this movie is still pretty great. Uh, what I would say, Jared Duncan's a fan. Yeah, yeah I'm a fan. I'm a wow, fan. I never thought I'd see the day. Wow. Well, so for me, this is that same level as a uh, high and low for uh, sure, top sure, tier sure. Kurosawa. Um, oh, it, up to high and low, even. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Um, but you're a Macbethian. I'm a Macbethian. Yeah. So I'm like totally uh, the the target audience for a Macbeth adaptation uh, of sure. this ca- of this caliber. Mm-hmm. Um, so where to begin with my th- general thoughts of this? So this movie opens up with these 
awesome for boating shots of the landscape. And there's this like the Japanese voice talking over <laughs> mm-hmm. the foreboding past and a castle that's no longer there. And it's like, yes, this is mm-hmm. this is all I want. And then uh like, they did it. Those they did bastards, it. Well, it's, it's, they did it. It's like there's something about like maybe the like the the, the Macbeth story that is kind of feels like post-apocalyptic because yeah, I'll, I I'll, I'll talk about the uh the 2015 Fastbender Macbeth later because it is did you watch that I did oh I thought you were saving that for Polanski oh no you oh you, no you said that I uh <laughs> I had other plans I said that yeah okay well I, I'll watch that during the Polanski one then yeah. how's that sound several several years from now you can get on yeah, that sure. bad boy or maybe I'll save you the time don't oh don't point taken yeah so yeah it just it has this this movie has so much atmosphere to it Mm -hmm. uh like all the stuff all the uh environment exterior stuff it's real uh yeah it's grim and yes smoky and dead trees uh you don't see a lot of like dead bodies it's not like the devils where you have uh like you know skeletons up in the wheel and down these paths but it's got that same vibe which i'm uh very appreciative of Mm -hmm. um and then we get Probably maybe the one of the weaker parts of the movie, I'd say, uh, a series of info dumps of what's going on, where like we we we're, this movie? We, we have our uh, yeah. our King Duncan, he's sitting around with his like sweet uh, samurai outfits. Everyone's like in their samurai garb, all positing as like one man's come running to report that one of the forts has fallen, and then. Mm-hmm. He gets take after he get he reports he gets taken away to tend to his wounds, and then another writer comes up and's like, hey. Our, our our Macbeth dude, he's coming. He's going to save the day, and he's going to fight this, and they're going to have a standoff. And then another mm-hmm. guy comes. Hey, we're going to do this. It's, it's kind of funny, um, mm-hmm. but but it's also very true to the spirit of the play, where like you don't see sure. these big battles happening. You hear about them after the fact. Uh, it's reported on, and uh, in this, it's because it's not about the the big wars, the skirmishes, the general violence. It's about kind of the dramatic moments that are happening in between. Uh, mm-hmm. Which I can it makes it kind of a unique story because often like that's the problem kind of with the uh, 2015 remake is it's like it wants to show like it wants to slow down and big like 300 ish battle sequences mm-hmm. that like also recall such classics as Mandy and of way too much way mm-hmm. too much M- M- Mandy vibes uh, sure not a fan of that um so yeah um one of one of the more interesting things here for me is uh mm-hmm. the taking this the western shakespeare of scotland and transposing it to eastern asia where you have these yeah. like weird samurai helmets and formalities and it works really really well like it just i mean that's kind of the kurosawa thing is like kind of taking these western stories like high and low or um seven samurai taking these magnificent like, seven that, you mean yeah t- well, no i'm just like listing like different <laughs> genre yeah, no, types like yeah mean. i was like, being a, a dink yeah and like yojimbo like it's like he's, mm-hmm. he's doing cowboys and indians yep. uh and yep. he's just taking the western and putting him in uh, different trappings and it works great in a way so much that influences people to make westerns that are remakes of japanese other movies westerns. that were like westerns yep yeah so i mean yeah it is it's th- seamless this one though feels more alien and it, it doesn't feel like anyone was watching this and being like yeah i want to make something like throne of blood because you can't, because mm-hmm. it's like so unusual, and because it, it's very, it's a very Japanese take on it, and it strips out a lot of some of the information that maybe is unnecessary when you're doing an adaptation, which is great because mm-hmm. sometimes you don't have to be so uh, refer or uh, reverential of the source material. I, you can 
toss some things out and it'll I work agree. just fine. Yeah. I agree completely. I could talk about that or I can just wait until it's my turn. Okay. Uh, well, I'm, I'm almost done kind of my general mm-hmm. notes here. Um, sure. So yeah, our boys, Macbeth and his best bud Banquo, they, mm-hmm. they go to get their accommodations from King Duncan and are waylaid by witches in the form of a witch in the labyrinth forest. Yes. It's just like so much atmosphere, RJ. So much. In so like, much fog. Yeah. And we got uh, spooky voiceover dubbing. Hell uh, yeah, baby. Which is like very effective because you have this like kind of male spooky voice and it's like kind of slowed down. A what kind of spooky voice? It's, it's, this, it's like this male weird voice over to this like okay. female So it's like it's disconnect. It's like this androgynous, mm-hmm. weird, like otherworldly spirit. Disjunctive. Sure. Who, who lays it all out. Mm-hmm. Says, hey, this is going to happen. Uh, you're going to become the lord of this. And then one day you'll be king. And you, you're going to be lucky. But your luck's going to extend over a long period of time. And then your son will become king. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, cool. <laughs> and they have a laugh. Well, actually, before <laughs> they have a laugh about it, they go through this like couple minute long uh, jaunt through fog. Oh shit! Mm-hmm. The other there, one of the funniest bits that I was thinking about is uh, before they get to the witch, they're riding through the woods and they're like, "Oh God, the woods!" They're like, they're making us get lost. And then they just like the one guy starts shooting, uh, like our banquo stand in. He starts just shoot, yeah. shooting arrows at nothing. I and, thought uh, that. And uh, Macbeth's like charging, and he's like, "Ah!" Mm-hmm. They're just charging at things. I'm like. I'm imagining the like modern day equivalent of being lost in the woods. A man just firing his gun off. A gun into the yeah. air. Ah, yeah. I, yeah. I thought that was pretty funny too, where it's like, is like, we can't get lost by witches. We'll take care of this. And then they're like, ah, and they just fight the sky. Yeah. And then, it's uh, a very aggressively male approach to the situation. Yeah. So they get their prophecy. They go, Oh, that's weird. And then they kind of like, they're kind of laying around the embankments. Like, it seems like they're like maybe 15 minutes away from the castle, but they decided to like take a load off. Um, Mm -hmm. and then they're like, huh, you know, we don't even know if we might be Lords. And then they go, Hmm. And then they go look and they make their way to there. Go, let's find out if we're Lords. And sure enough, they are. And we get these great reaction shots as they're being awarded their, uh, um, their titles. And then we get we, mm-hmm. we we do a jump cut to like kind of where they're now at their new uh, at their forts their personal forts, and then we're introduced to our Lady Macbeth, who is like I I love this interpretation because she's always kind of like <laughs> always with these straight like he's like oh well we'll do it this way she's like no. <laughs> and she's like, no, uh, no, yeah. we won't be doing that. That's the wrong way to think about that. He's probably already thinking of, he's trying to outthink you. We should probably do mm-hmm. this. Like she's just feeding them lines. Cause like we don't even get the moment where like, she's been informed about this, like witch business. She's just mm-hmm. like, it's off, it's off camera, but she's already like gone to thinking about it. There's no big scene where she's like unsex me spirit. So I'm allowed to do what I'm capable of and, and to make these things come true. There's no moment like that. It's like, I, I kind of love that selection because it's just like, no, she's just like, she's also this ambitious person rather than sure. like, uh, like who has to like, I need the will of the spirits or like think that like mm-hmm. a spirit is taking this away from me. And, uh, yeah, it, it complicates the story a little bit more in a good way. A little bit. A little bit. So, yeah, you know what? One thing leads to another, and it's, it's all about the scheming, ki- killing kings. Yes, it is. Dr- drugging people, blaming them for it. They run away. They look guilty. Um, it's the Macbeth story. And uh, 
I'll, I'll hand it off to you, RJ. I've talked enough at this point. Um, I, I really, I really like this movie. What do you, what do you think here? You're handing it off to me, Jarrett. Yeah. Throwing a blood, more like throwing a shit. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. It, it's funny though. Every time, right? Every time. I'm sure there's a lot of Kurosawa fans out there. Probably a lot of Hidden Fortress fans that are like, oh yes, classic jokes about our beloved movies. But I, I, they're they're the most respectable fans. They're like, yeah, we can handle a good joke here and there. Throwing a blood, Jarrett, is a good show. I like it. It's real good. This is first time watch for me. Uh, as I've mentioned before, uh, I like Kurosawa. Uh, I mean, there there are a few things that I think maybe underperform, but in the pantheon of the Kurosawa movies, things like Redbeard, it's like you know what? That's fine. They don't all have to be all star bangers. But I, I think Throne of Blood is real good for a few reasons. Uh, I don't a think few. I, a few reasons. So I, I always think of like a few. That's like three. That's like three reasons. For three reasons. Reason number one. You ever seen The Fanatic with John Travolta? That's basically Throne of Blood remade. Whoa. I'm on Letterboxd again. I just saw that poster. I got to get off of here because it's <laughs> it's persuading me. Okay. I just got you up here now. Okay. Throne of Blood. Uh, Throne of Blood is very good. Uh, I'm probably not as big of a Macbeth fan as you are. Uh, I know you're a big Macbeth dude. I do like the Macbeth story. Uh, if I had to pick a favorite Shakespeare story, I probably wouldn't. I don't know. Like Macbeth, Hamlet, <clears throat> Romeo and Juliet. Like what are even some other ones? Nobody gives a shit about Midsummer's, or Midsummer Night's Dream. But you know whatever Shakespeare um so I'm not a, as big of a Macbeth fan but I do think I know why you like it and there are some there's some big things that I think you and me both share uh, an appreciation for number one the ghost story uh I think the ghosts and or prophets involved in the Macbeth story like the three witches it's really cool it's this element of fantasy that doesn't feel uh forced in it's like not pushed in and it's not really out of place either like it's so practical in its pre presentation it's like yeah sure why why not have these prophets in here it's not like it's not like anything crazy it's not people that have like dragon skin or anything like goofy like that it seems realistic sure throw those witches in there so that part of it's really cool uh and then i think uh i think macbeth is i know you're a big fan Jared. i think macbeth is one of the ultimate sad bastard movies uh not because he's like not because of how he is like he's very confident he's a chad in in certain <laughs> ways but i think the story of macbeth is kind of a sad bastard tale uh and it's like I'm sure there are very descriptive and detailed deconstructions of Macbeth and the drive of ambition and this and that. So I'm not going to attempt to do that, but I do think that the pursuit of what they do and the inevitable and unavoidable failure of Macbeth is kind of a sad bastard story. Uh, I do also think that there is an interesting kind of idea that is presented here where there's lots of talk of ambition but I, I also think that there is a different thing at play there where it's ambition versus perception of like 
perception of influence and what you're being told and like what you can be convinced of. Uh, and like, that's an obvious thing there too, uh, because lady Macbeth, she's a big push to the influence, but it's like the idea, like all they, all Macbeth has is this witch in the woods. Who's like, you're going to do some big stuff. And he's like, Oh, okay. And then one of the things happens, he's like, Oh, it's all true. And it's like buying into hype. The biggest thing I would pull from that is uh, think about like college level sports all stars, like uh, f- the football college players, the basketball players and like NBA, NFL, these people who basically their entire life are told that they're the best that there is. I think this is a completely tan- like a big tangent, but I've noticed there's a lot of things with like celebrity athletes and especially these like really big name people where their whole life they've been told that they're the best that there ever was and then when when you see them talk people are like oh look at his attitude and it's like are it's like did you not think that that's how that was going to happen this guy who was told this guy or girl who's told their whole life that they're the absolute best it's like you don't think that they would eventually buy into that and i mean it's not just sports i mean that can fall into politics vis-a-vis case in point current day so i think that was a big tangent but my big thing was it's like ambition and then it's like perception of that where it's even just being told things kind of influences people enough where it's like i'm gonna go do this i think that's the heart of Macbeth, jared (laughs) (laughs) throne of blood uh i like quite a bit because of a few things one of the big things i like is that i think it gets like right to it it doesn't like waste your time uh, in the sense where you get this like prophecy and then you see a few things of things coming to play and then it just goes to it. Like you get the uh, the Lord coming to visit and you're like, oh, is something going to happen? But then in the well, next scene, and there's just and the, him and, the, he's, and the paranoia he's, like, begins because they because, yeah. yeah, it's it, it's been curious how there's like in the different the two different iterations I watched where uh, the king is killed mm-hmm. is different in from the original source to throwing a blood to uh the the Kurzel Macbeth because yeah. it's like he's killed in was it Isendor the the castle itself Isendor no that's Lord of the Rings Isend- D- yeah. D- oh god uh Scottish place mm-hmm. the, 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 the king yeah I'm blanking out on the, the name of it in the play but uh so that's where he actually is supposed to be killed but in this yeah. he's actually killed in the fort that Macbeth is in charge of yeah, because he's like out on a hunting trip, and but, but but well, yeah, I mean he was. I mean everything's like I think on the up and up, but it's the paranoia of uh, Macbeth yeah. that's being fed to him. It's like oh, he's here to do this because your best friends already t- ratted you out, and uh, this is what's going to be. And like get the man out! Oh God! Like it, it's he's like ramping up his, how just like mm-hmm. uh, uh, suspicious he is of everything, and that's kind of one of the mm-hmm. other things is like. It's not even like maybe the ambition thing is such a crutch sometimes, I think, in the discussion mm-hmm. of the story. Because it's like sometimes it's like it is like it's he's more undone by like his suspicions and then acting on those things to keep mm-hmm. his power rather than like because he doesn't seem like particularly ambitious. He's like always like, oh, well, you know, maybe this is the best thing. And then he gets talked into it again. He's like, yeah. And then once he yeah. gets the power, then he, uh, he does everything he can do to keep hold on to it, but he's always kind of like, "Well, I did enough now. <laughs> I'll clean my hands of that." But it's like, "No, now, now Banquo knows, and now his, his now what you're just going to give this over to his his family? He didn't do mm-hmm. anything for it. I didn't 
get blood on my hands just for this to be given up so quickly. And so it's like, yeah, because, you know, he's going to do the same thing to you and it's going to backfire. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I should uh, hire some goons to just take him out. Mm-hmm. So there's always these. Uh, yeah, so that, that scene where in that, it's like at that location. And then in the uh, Kurzel Macbeth, it's just like out on the battlement, like in a tent. And it that's made, boring. It, it makes sense. I mean, it's more, it's a more realistic depiction of it where it's like, sure. this is how the story would actually probably play out in a mm-hmm. realistic way. But you know what? Now, sometimes, sometimes you want a little bit of the drama, a little mm-hmm. bit of uh, that, the, the scope to be different than be like, yep, here's a bunch of Highlanders sure. <laughs> with, the, with the, with the Braveheart face paint. Well, that. Yeah, that's it's like, hey, don't you want to see Michael Fassbender's like shredded bod? (laughs) Not really. Yeah, well, you will. Yeah, not really. But that's what I mean to where the like the prophecy with the witches and all that stuff. It's a fantasy thing, but I think it's just the right amount of it where it's like, okay, I'm into this. And I think Throne of Blood shows that well, too, where when he's like tripping out and he's getting even more paranoid and he starts to see ghosts. Mm-hmm. That like I think that aspect's really cool. I think they show that like they show it in a really nice way, uh, and it's kind of like what I was saying. So well, I think this movie doesn't waste your time. It, yeah. it like it presents the things like the important bits. It's like here's this, here's that, there's this. And These are what this is what's important. To comment about the ghost thing because we don't go back to it. Uh, mm-hmm. The the some some film craft talk. The, the oh, how, how, how uh, Kurosawa uses the camera. How like you only ever see the ghost of. Um, of uh, Banquo, uh, mm-hmm. the one time, and then, but then it's always roving around and it's like intentionally leaving him out of the frame. Mm-hmm. And like, and so he's, so we always see Mifune responding to the ghost, and we know that it's there in his mind, and everyone mm-hmm. else, like, you're not exactly sure if they're seeing it. And then when it pans kind of back over, you're like, he's intentionally kind of leaving it out of sight of the audience too because you're not supposed to see it and uh, yeah. it's like it's a really clever thing because you're all you're now focusing on is the face of the audience and Mufune's mm-hmm. face where he's like rambling to himself and then uh lady Macbeth's like ha ha he's so drunk <laughs> he gets like this all the time it's like oh, mm-hmm. well that's terrifying <laughs> he always does this oh this guy that has just been appointed our lord mm-hmm of all of like the land, he's just, he's just like a weird drunk who freaks out. Yeah, a, terrific. Yeah, an angry booze hound. Mm, just like us, hey Jared. One of us. Sure. Um, yeah. So I I thought that was awesome. And then another thing about like the ghost scenes that's really good is a uh, there's like a really there's a really well like uh depicted symmetry in all this stuff. Like there's a few shots where. Like there's the one where it's the ghost kneeling and uh, or not even that where um I think uh, Macbeth Tashira Mufune kills that dude and then he's like backing up and it's just everything's so symmetrical it just looks really nice there, it looks pretty there's that al- it does there's that also really awesome bit where um when uh, Macbeth and uh, Banquo after they've kind of confronted the spirit and then mm-hmm. like it kind of like walks off and then they yeah. go to chase after and they, the camera goes forward after them but then yeah. they stop because they're like we don't know where, sh- where it went and then they turn around and they're like basically off screen the like the production crew have like taken the house apart and like pulled mm-hmm. it apart and they walk back through it and it's just gone it's like oh mm-hmm. it's so nice very nice yeah there's a lot of like 
film craft, as the, you said, this, fine art, artisanal. Actually, you know what movie this reminds craft. me of in some ways? Um, Beauty what? and the Beast. Yeah, Cock- a little bit. Yeah, Cocteau is like it's got a, some nice flourishes. Like yeah, that. it's got some like fantasy elements to it, and uh, it's um, mm-hmm. yeah, it strips down this sort of like kind of like like at this point like. It's almost at what point does Shakespeare stories kind of fall into like that mythic range where it's like you're now you're like it's mm-hmm. not like this it's not a historical drama but it's like kind of like oh yeah no this is like kind of like uh, a myth more than anything else mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's cool stuff isn't it Jared cool stuff cool stuff do, man do you have a few things more to talk about RJ no I I, I really like the big cumbersome back banners that these guys all wear it reminded me of a. St- Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace with the Dungan people. Uh, How about that centipede banner? Uh, yeah, unpleasant, unpleasant. <laughs> uh, and then are, are, uh, I was going to say, is there I, a more in, like, like creepy insect? No, there isn't. Not on the face of the earth is there a creepier insect. Um, but there's that. And then uh, I, I liked the arrow play at the end. You know what it reminded me of <laughs> was uh, that Wolverine Ronin story which i'm sure was uh taking some inspiration from uh kurosawa and all uh, those things probably just a little but bit. i like that i like those arrows it looked like toshiro mifune was getting hit by arrows for real too. <laughs> so like i like i don't know about you but when i was watching that i was like they really shot that guy like maybe they gave him a breastplate or something but i'm pretty sure they shot arrows into him for real so did you get that vibe um it looks great it looks like it yeah uh, kind of the, the one thing that I was just uh, the, one of the other things that they kind of changed between well they didn't really change it but between the two versions so one of the things mm-hmm. they did keep it like the there's like in traditional Macbeth um, Macduff mm-hmm. is the one who kills Macbeth and because sure. there's, cause there's like the false promise from the witches where it's like or it's like the misleading mm-hmm. prophecy it's like um, you, you'll never lose a battle until the forests march on Dunsany and uh, there mm-hmm. it is and he's like ha ha and then he gets all arrogant because it's like forests don't move <laughs> and, um, and then the other thing is like you'll never you'll, you'll be killed by a man that was not born of a woman he's like ha ha I'm safe there's no no man yeah. like that exists but then it's like Oh, I was born from like a cesarean, essentially. And it's like shit. He, he didn't come out of a vagina. I'm fucked. And uh, oh dear, Jared. Then, but then you get the two versions. You get kind of a, a mix of that here because in uh, mm-hmm. Throne of Blood, you have like that really I don't know beautiful image of the swaying trees moving as he's looking through the little porthole and he sees like the the soldiers who have cut down the wood like the traditional way and they're using mm-hmm. it as cover and they're moving forward which is like so ridiculous like it's just like this mm-hmm. kind of bizarre idea I'm like that seems like a lot of effort but, but it's like very smart because you're like well the woods in front of this castle are a labyrinth and our men will just get lost and waylaid so we might as well just chop it all down and we'll we'll just march our way straight through which is brilliant um in mm-hmm. Kurzel's Macbeth uh the solution there is they burn the woods down and then rj you have macbeth who takes a handful of the ash of the trees coming and says the woods were marching on me um boom that's a little that's a little too metaphorical for me i think i mean it's, it's probably many, like it's, yeah. but it's like but is it more it's more ridiculous i mean in a literal sense like a bunch of people like chopping down woods and then traveling with woods like trees in front of them i kind of like that though right i know i know it's it but looks in in this movie it looks gorgeous you get this amazing shot rather than like a it looks like um summer of 2018 here in creepsville 
uh, conclusion mm-hmm. where you get a big sword battle, like an orange palette, like Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. <sighs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Your favorite show, I yeah. think, right? Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That shot is wicked cool. And I can see the burnt forest ash stuff would come into play. Yeah. Sure. Whatever. Sure. Whatever. Sure. Fine, fine. Fine, fine, fine. And the movie just ends. Like, he's dead. Yes, it does. And, like, yes, it hey, does. orders restored. The, the um, f- f- what, uh, f- Flarin? Flarin? Uh, Banquo's son. Ooh. Florian, or or his son. Mm-hmm. It's like, or whatever his son is. Be, You're going to be king now. And uh, he, Why the, not? the handsome boy. And it's just like, but then we get apocalyptic. This is the story of doom. And, this, and there was a castle here once. You get that. And it's like, yep, in and out. And then end, movies out. Good Why stuff. not, Jared? Succinct. What else are you going to do? It's surprising, Honest, actually, calling honestly. this movie succinct because it's not super short. But, yeah, it flows well for me. Well, I just think it, it's like I said, I think it just cuts out a lot of that middle shit where they're like, all right, we got this set up, and now we're going to do this. There you go. Boom. Hey, bada bing. Exactly. It's like exactly what Kurosawa <laughs> said, I think, in his book of interviews. Bada bing. Yeah. <laughs> hey Akira Kurosawa, what's uh what did you, what were you trying to achieve with Throne of, Throne of Blood? Hey, bada boom, bada bing. No. Wow. <laughs> like and some, then just he's really getting into this Owen Wilson territory now. What's well, I was trying to do that like hushed applause where it's like, oh, wow. I I can't get that sound right. Mm. It's been brought up before. You know what? It doesn't matter. My point stands. And uh, I feel good. I feel good, Jarrett. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a good show. Good show, my man. Want to hear about some people who hate this movie? Yeah, why not? All right, what then. Are, what, I mean, what are they, what are they even going to say about this? Well, you know? Rem- Rembrandt Q. Pumpernickel, who is a, who's a repeat pure, offender. Repeat offender. Half a star. Wow. Part of my 20 least favorite film viewing experiences list. Count me among the few that far prefer Akira Kurosawa's modern films to his period pieces, and Throne of Blood has all of those films' worst qualities turned up to 11. Obvious and broad themes, histrionic performances, and bland static composition. I remember about two moments from this film, and everything else is a dull blur. Skip this one and jump straight to Ran, in my opinion. It's got all the same elements, but uh, but with an emotional register and a gorgeous look. Hmm. Um, remember at Q Pumpernickel? Pumpernickel is a podcaster, Jared. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, one in their bio, it says, This is a fucking great podcast. End quote. My friend Bucky about my podcast when he was on it. So, I mean, if you want to follow it, apparently it's called Loose Cannons. Uh, you can also go to fancyfilmfellows.com. They have many ratings, many, many five-star films, many, many half-star films, and films that it's just like, this is I don't a half, know. And this is a half-star. Yeah, like other half-star films are like True Lies, King Kong, the original, Manhattan, The Mummy, the Brendan Fraser hit. Like, I, I don't really understand any of these half-star ratings. Uh, Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind, half-star? You fucking kidding me? You kidding me, Jarrett? You want to hear about Callie? Uh, yeah, I one, guess. One star. Mm-hmm. 
I don't care what old white men say this movie is not good. What? Please stop trying to convince me that these films invented cinema because they didn't. Was literally forced, these are all caps, to watch this as a Macbeth adaptation, and I'm not happy about it. The Lion King literally did a better as a Shakespeare adaptation than this, and those are the facts. That's Hamlet, though. That's not Macbeth. Well, you tell Callie that. I will. Uh, Five-star films are pretty much exactly what you would expect. There's also things like Disney movies, Moulin Rouge, Mamma Mia, eighth grade in the five stars. Uh, There's only four one-star reviews. One of them is Throne of Blood, and one of them is uh, the uh, frequently quoted Usual Suspects. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, there's that. Hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, and finally, I can barely mm-hmm. even read this person's name. Michaela Cash, two stars. Michaela Cash. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah Michaela Cash. I sure, only looked this up so I could laugh at how bad it is. Clearly, I'm missing something. It seems strange to say something like that, you know? Like were, you only because they were doing something else. They were looking at their magazine and they're looking up and they're like, mm-hmm. "Oh my god, this movie's so bad." And then they you went know, back movie. To their... I only watched to make fun of Michaela Cash's five-star film Baby Driver. Ooh. Like, why would you give... That movie stinks. <laughs> it stinks, Jared. Uh, I don't know. This person is very inactive, to be honest. There's not... They have 300 movies watched and own... Yeah, 300 ratings. There's nothing. There's nothing here. It's nothing. This person is nothing. Michaela Cash, you're nothing. <laughs> I mean, that's an opinion, uh, not my own, but of the character I play for this podcast. So, uh, I don't know. It's just very strange. These ratings, they don't mean anything. Home Alone, two stars? What are you, fucking mental? Holes, two stars? That's not right. Holes is a great show. You, you want to hear me talk about uh, Macbeth 2015 really quick? Uh, yeah, I mean, you might as well. I might as well. Uh, so as you know, I mean, so this week, I mean, I watched a movie this, in the last 10 days. I watched a movie with Jessica Chastain. I watched a movie with James McAvoy. Yes, and I was like, mm-hmm. you know who's missing here? A little bit of Michael Fassbender. Big dick Michael Fassbender himself. You know, so, uh, and I'm like, this Macbeth, it's directed by this Justin Kurzel guy. He directed that Snowtown Murders movie that I like. I should, mm. uh. And Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not, not so. <laughs> look at that little giggle you gave. And, uh, so. I watched this. I was uh, prepared to like this, but mm-hmm. man, for a movie that's like as well shot as this is, it is so poorly constructed. The editing is so annoying in the worst like mm-hmm. art house kind of ways you can imagine. Where it's just like, hey, let's just cut that. Let's just pace it this way because. But you're like, you know, if you strip this down, because at times it just feels like Game of Thrones ish mm-hmm. stuff. Where like they're they're trying to do this big bat action battle scene, and it's like they literally did this better on Game of Thrones. I mean, you mm-hmm. have all the set and everything looks right, but just like there's no drive to it. You're just kind of dumped in the stake. Why are we doing this battle scene? Like none none of this matters. Like they haven't established this. Like because I think in the original play, it's like Ireland and Norway. Some th- mm-hmm. some thanes are involved, and mm-hmm. uh, they're be they're 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 fought back by Macbeth. 
Um, and it's like, hey, we did good. But they, they, they there's like a shot where like the army is slowly running toward one another and like they're getting geared up for their big war charge and they're cutting back to them slowly walking toward each other and like with their weapons up and then they just bash and fight and etc you get Boring. the re- you get the realistic depictions of what happens when people are really stabbed yeah. <laughs> it's just like yeah yeah we Who know cares? So here's a dead here's a dead baby i guess it might be his and they're all very sad you never it. killed a baby Let, let's go put some coins on their eyes <laughs> and uh because that's because it's old timey and then the witches that are like three women and it, but like look just like peasant women, but they got kind of like a weird like ridge on their forehead, and then they have like a little girl because little girls are sp- spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like I mean that part's good. I mean which stuff is which stuff is always kind of cool, but here it's like very like yeah no this is the Macbeth story, but it's missing an element that you need to make it you that's for something that you want to like. And this movie just like it seems like it wants to edit around the drama and be like. Just look at the aesthetics, mm-hmm. and just yeah, really unpleasant experience. Like it's it's very uh, I don't like using the word, but it felt very pretentious. And to me, Macbeth is like one of the more unpretentious plays of Shakespeare. I don't even know if any mm-hmm. of this stuff's necessarily pretentious, but this turns it to make, turns it into something like I want to make it this way. And you know, in the world where like Orson Welles, Kurosawa, Roman Polanski have made their mark on a Macbeth play, and then Justin Kurzweil's like, yeah. It's my turn, and he makes this, and it's like no one's going to watch this in at all. <laughs> um, sounds shitty. I shitty might be a little strong. It's just really underwhelming and really, sure. really too long. Um, it does not feel succinct like Kurosawa, and that might blow your minds. But mm. yeah, it, you really see uh, when you see some good movie making, and then you see this i mean i've seen some people like this too and i don't know i uh i don't know it, to me but it's again people also like mandy and that movie came to mind True. often watching it where it's a lot of style or substance and mm-hmm. i also like i have a, a soft spot for the macbeth story as it might have been said already a couple thousand times on this episode mm-hmm. um so watching this kind of like flaccid interpretation was kind the of what? flaccid oh Okay. Hey, Jared, if uh, if the Criterion Creeps was a uh, Shakespearean play, what would we be? The Tempest. Is that sexual? <laughs> You're all, you'll always be my Caliban. I don't know The Tempest. Uh, is, is it sexual? <laughs> uh, Caliban, is that the uh, dark, dark side son? <laughs> After the break. Yes. Um, I dispatch some ghouls to kill RJ. And then what? And then that's the end of the movie. It's a good one. And then what? I live happily ever after. Wait a minute. The Tempest? A servant to Prospero and a savage monster? Am I Caliban or are you Caliban? You're the Caliban. Who are you? Prospero. The rightful Duke of Milan. That's. I think you're putting too much weight into yourself, man. You must be a hidden fortress, man. The 
Miss Macbeth has a frightened face that all the children know. She must have been something else a long time ago. You can't look her in the eye or else your face will crack. She talks to statues on the shelf, although they never answer back. Now the chalk on the wall says that somebody saves That somebody's face has just been washed off the pavement into a RJ, have you ever yes. read Shakespeare for entertainment? No. <laughs> no. I read it in school, but never for fun. Are you going to change that at any point? Nope. Do you think you'll ever become that old grandpa who's like, I'm going to read some of the classics? Fuck no. You bust out your, uh, I don't know, the sonnets of Shakespeare? Fuck no. I tried with Charles Dickens, and the, lang- the lang- language barrier is just too strong. What, English? Old English, my man. Old? My old God. Eng- When's the last time you tried reading Charles Dickens? A Christmas Carol? No, any tale of two cities. I never read it. Yeah, exactly. You try reading that fucking thing and tell me that it's not old. Real grandpa talk. You old man. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us how much you appreciate the bard. Sure. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on the letterbox. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnwolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on YouTube. We're on Patreon, give us that money, justify our time. Mm-hmm. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that jazz. Next week, Spine 191. What mm-hmm. I am sure will top one of RJ's list of all time, Derek Jarman's Jubilee from 1978. Oh my god, I've I've been waiting for this forever. Oh uh, yeah. Amazing. Like I said, it'll top terrific one of RJ's lists. The movies Jared Duncan made me watch that eight. There's a possibility. There's a possibility. Oh no! Good night, sweet prince. <clears throat> Shut up. <laughs>